The motto that my dad gave me is always grow when you're slow. So, you know, kind of acting on your strategy when you're slow and then that'll set you up to be successful when, you know, things do turn around. Just continuing to grow and grow our people and implement lean initiatives, take on whatever comes our way. <laughs> this is the Women of American Manufacturing podcast where we highlight female leaders and influencers who are revolutionizing the industry. In every episode, we explore each guest's journey into manufacturing, their vision for the future of American manufacturing, and the innovation, creativity, and communication that they bring to the industry. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women of American Manufacturing podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Athanasiu, and excited to welcome Melissa Monarco here today. So, Melissa, I'd love if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Who are you? Where do you work? And how long have you been in the manufacturing industry? Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me on. Again, my name is Melissa Monarco. I am president of Metal Solutions. We're located in a small town called Vandergrift in Pennsylvania, about 45 minutes north of the city of Pittsburgh. I have been in the manufacturing industry ever since I graduated from undergrad, so about 13 years. Very cool. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your story and talk a little bit about, you know, What's gotten you through a very interesting career so far in manufacturing? So I love to start every episode, every conversation with a little bit about what brought you here today. So you said that, you know, you started in your manufacturing career right out of undergrad, but I know there was a history prior to that. So could you tell our guests about your history, you know, your journey into manufacturing? Sure. It's funny, I never imagined being in manufacturing. I actually got my bachelor's in international studies in Spanish. I always wanted to be a lawyer, but decided after undergrad I needed a break from school. Also, I was super broke. <laughs> I was sick of being broke. Uh, so I decided to go into the workforce first. Uh, so I found my first job working in international inside sales at a major steel and specialty metals company called Allegheny Technologies or ATI. I was there for about six years working in sales and then marketing. And in 2014, I left my corporate career to join my family business here at Metal Solutions. Uh, my father was always in the machining and fab business, but started his own company in 2006. He was very small, but grew steadily over the years and just realized he could not grow anymore on his own, not enough bandwidth. He was also looking towards the future, eventually wanting to retire. I'm an only child. So I was the first one he asked to come on board. It was a hard decision to leave a comfy corporate job where I was rising up the ranks, but I knew I had to give it a try. Um, so again, I left ATI. And when I started at Metal Solutions, I wore many hats, you know, learning every facet of the company and then took over majority ownership in 2017. So at Metal Solutions, we are a job shop. If you're not familiar with a job shop, we don't have our own product line, but we produce custom manufactured components for various industries. So my career has kind of come full circle. I started out with a company that produces the raw material, and now I'm taking that raw material and turning it into the various products that keep our world moving. 
And that's really relevant to um, the motto of the company, correct? Yes. <laughs> We're the preferred manufacturing partner that keeps our world moving. I love that. That is so catchy. Do you guys have like t-shirts, you know, sweatshirts, stickers for your cars? Yeah, we went through kind of a rebranding last year. You know, I always thought that only large companies could have brands. But, you know, every company, no matter what the size, has a brand. And that just really spoke to all of us because we touch on so many different industries and make parts for so many different industries. And we want to be the preferred manufacturing partner. Um, We see ourselves as partners and not just a vendor. I want to come back to that because I think that's super interesting pivot. It sounds like you decided to take the business through. But before we move on to that, um, you mentioned that your dad, you know, started in uh, his own business in 2006, a manufacturing business. And so you you were a ch- still a kid, at, right? Like maybe a teenager by then. Um, when he started. So did you have exposure early on, you know, prior to undergrad, that pushed you into studying something very different? I did. I mean, my father always, you know, he worked for another company and he always worked a lot of hours, but he did have a small bridge port in our garage. So I saw him milling parts um, on the side. And then he started his own business when I was in college in undergrad. And I did spend a few summers working for him, running machines (laughs) um, and doing paperwork. It's just not something I was interested in in doing. Fair enough. <laughs> I think I've I've heard that from from several <laughs> of actually the the guests we've had on the podcast who were raised in manufacturing families. Some of them from when they were born, you know. And it's so interesting. I think some people. I don't know. I'm I'm seeing that it's like one extreme or the other, right? It's like you know that's your destiny, and you're you're just like that's that's your path because it's laid out for you. And then there's the other one, which is like, all right, that seems like a lot of work, or maybe I don't, I don't have an engineering mind, or I don't have a math mind, you know, um, and I want to go do something different. Um, but I'm, you know, it's, it's really cool to see this arc that when people come back to it, a lot of them are saying, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm glad I got this experience outside of manufacturing. It's helped me with X, Y, and Z. Once I've come back in, um, you know, having that outside perspective, but then the people that just did it from day one, they're also so happy that that's their path. So many different routes you can take to get into manufacturing, but it seems like many women are very happy there, which I love. Um, so another thing that you um, that you mentioned was that it was a really tough decision to leave your, as you called, cushy corporate job to come into the family business. Yeah. What was that like? Like what pushed you over the edge? I imagine, like you said, you're the only child, so there might have been some familial pressure what else really gave you like maybe the confidence to take the risk and give it a shot? Yeah, I mean, I, I liked my job in, in corporate. There was definitely opportunity for me to advance. Um, but, you know, my father kind of gave me this opportunity and it was like, uh, I knew it was going to be difficult, especially going from the corporate world to very small family owned business. But it's kind of like, those things in life, you know, here's my chance. I'm definitely going to probably regret it if I don't try. So it's almost like um, a FOMO approach, right? Like fear of missing out. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I guess I knew on the, if it didn't work out, I could always get another job. Um, And, you know, I certainly had the support of my husband as well, you know, so if it didn't work out, he, 
he was there to support me financially. Yeah, that's huge. Just feeling there's some type of safety net, I'm sure, made the decisions slightly easier than it would have been otherwise. It did. And how long, you know, did that decision process take you? Was it months? Was it years? Couple months. Were there regrets along the way? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, probably not now, but for, you know, the first two years, I guess, just adjusting from that corporate job to small family business and certainly working with family is is not easy. But now, in hindsight, I'm so glad I did it and went through those tough times. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Like, what were some of the toughest times? I think just, you know, number one, finding my confidence in, in the small business world. I felt like I had confidence in my corporate job, but then coming down to a smaller business where you don't have as many resources, you don't have as many connections. I guess it was humbling in a sense, and it took many years to to kind of gain that confidence. Secondly, you know, working with the shop floor uh, was definitely a challenge, gaining trust, you know, getting to know everybody on a more personal level, number one. Um, number two, open lines of communication, always explaining if I were to make a change, um, why we were making that change, how it was going to impact the employees. That's a great segue back into that point I kind of put a pin on a few minutes ago, which was your decision to rebrand. So what inspired that? Yeah, so I hit a point where it was like, okay, I'm here, I want to grow the company. And that was kind of always the goal. But what I had to do was really sit down and say, why do I want to grow the company? Um, what's my reasoning behind it? And that reasoning always really came back to people in just many forms. Um, my employees, number one, I want to provide them with a good wage so they can support their families. Also provide them with advancement opportunities so they can continue to grow their career. People in the community, obviously, the business supports the community, the surrounding community. And then, you know, my family, number one, supporting and growing my family. And also people in the sense of our customers, our vendors. So again, we see ourselves as partners, not just a customer vendor relationship, but I'm supporting customers, I'm supporting vendors. Um, so again, it all just kind of came back to, to people. And, and just feeling like, you know, it was time to do something maybe a little differently or, you know, improve that external message. Is that kind of, yeah. And so how did you land on, on that motto? So I came back to that motto just because we, we want customers, we want vendors, we want employees to seek us out because they, they prefer our service, they prefer our quality, they just prefer metal solutions. And obviously, we're a manufacturer, so wanted to throw manufacturing in there. And partner, again, is key because it's not a customer-vendor relationship. It's a partnership. I love it. So when, when did you go through the rebrand? In late 2020. Okay. So it hasn't been too long. Have you already seen some of like some positive impact from that? Is it a little too early to tell? I think I have seen some positive impact just, you know, internally here, um, 
people understand the vision of a company. They understand the purpose. Um, it's not just come to work, collect a paycheck. And I truly believe every employee here is here for reasons other than just to collect a paycheck. Yeah, that's so important. Just, you know, having a reason to come to work today beyond that paycheck. I think a lot of shops are are working on that culture piece, right? And that feeling of you're part of something greater than yourselves. That's definitely been a, a common concept, you know, or philosophy that's come up in conversations I've had with a lot of women across the industry. So that's really cool. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on you guys watching your growth and, and all the great things to come. <laughs> want to, again, back up a little bit. And, you know, we talked about your transition from corporate world into manufacturing and how that was an adjustment. You know, you built trust with with your team and you really in the last few years taken ownership of it and then also decided, you know, where you guys want to go. What's, you know, what's been the biggest challenge throughout all of that? I think the most challenging part, I guess, personally, is I'm a little more risk averse. You know, I think as women, we're just naturally more risk averse. So as much as you look at the data and the data is telling you to go one way, there's certainly a psychological part of it that, you know, says go the other way. So I think for me personally, that that's one challenge. Sure. And is there an example of, like you said, like you, you did some investigating, right? You did some analytics. The data told you do A, but your your gut, you know, kind of the self-doubt told you no, do B. How did you how did you force yourself to go with A? I guess it's get on the bus or be left behind <laughs> type mentality. When it comes to investing, especially in larger pieces of equipment, you know, well, what if we can't fill the equipment, even though we're subbing out to people that have that piece of equipment right now. You know, there's always the what if, but it's kind of like when I first came on board here, the question I asked is, I'll never know if I don't try, right? So certainly looking at the data, but then also telling that little person in my head, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a tough thing to have to work on constantly, right? What would you say has helped you work through that? I think just experience and confidence and trusting myself and my employees and the data. I, I guess just, yeah, experience and, and confidence and just showing up and doing the work, right? Showing up. Yeah. yeah I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just like, I guess having the confidence that it's going to work out and you have to just try. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scary position to be in, but I think you're absolutely right that it's like, often a uniquely female trait to um, have maybe a little more self-doubt and have to really push through those moments. And I think, you know, grit is one of those things that can really separate people from, you know, succeeding and pu pushing through it to succeed versus maybe kind of sticking around where they are, remaining comfortable because they're afraid of going outside their comfort zone. So kudos to you that you, you know, identified that and you've been working on it. Um, like I said, I, I, it's a really tough thing to do. So what's another thing, maybe maybe personally, you know, outside of, of, of the business that's been challenging as a woman in manufacturing? I, I don't know if it's necessarily manufacturing, but, you know, I'm sure people, women see this across all industries is, you know, just work-life balance. I have two small children. One is four and one is almost two. So, you know, certainly trying to have a career um, that I love 
and also giving them time because I love them as well. So I think that's been the biggest challenge. I've tried to, you know, be very focused when I come to work. That's giving up an hour for lunch, then that's giving up an hour for lunch to get home an hour earlier. And I don't think many people take lunch these days anyway. <laughs> you know, I try to shut off when I'm at home with them. And it, it's certainly taken several years to be able to do that, but it, it's certainly important. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, you took ownership of the company. Would that have been around the time your first daughter was born? Yes. I took over ownership about six months after she was born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk about challenges. <laughs> That's like two major, you know, life and professional changes in one fell swoop. What was that like? It was tough. Um, honestly, it was probably the toughest time of my life just because learning how to be a new mother, dealing with all those new feelings and emotions and basically not sleeping, plus trying to get up and, and come to work. And we were coming off of a really down year back in 2016. So certainly posed a lot of challenges for me. So, you know, at the time trying to grow the business, be a new mom, implement a new culture. It was tough, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I think it's made me 10 times stronger. I've learned to not sweat the small stuff and just keep pushing through. Again with the grit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like put your head down, do the work and eventually get through it, right? <laughs> or you like yeah. to think you do. You know, you've been through this pretty recently. Is there advice that you might offer to other women who are entering that phase of their life and their manufacturing career where they're going to start a family soon and they're thinking ahead to how am I going to balance this all? It gets better. <laughs> Honestly, because at first I feel like you're like, how am I going to do this? You know, I want to enjoy being with my new child, but I'm also not sleeping. I also want my career, you know, certainly it's going to be hard. I don't want to sugarcoat it and say it'll work. You know, it, it's going to be hard, but you'll get through it and you'll learn to find that balance to where you can allocate time to your career, allocate time to your children. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But I think being fulfilled professionally helps me be a better mother. And obviously, you're setting an awesome example for your daughters. Do Vivian and Vanessa come into the shop at all? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes they'll, they'll walk around when no one's here, but not too much. <laughs> yeah. Maybe later on you can put them to work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's your hiring pipeline right there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I think they just see that, you know, I get up and I go to work every day. And I guess that maybe, I don't know, they're too young for me to tell, but, you know, hopefully that inspires them. I would bet money on the fact that it, it will, for sure. So yeah. <laughs> you're obviously doing a great job just bouncing it all and helping the business grow through some really strategic decisions. What are some of the ways that, you know, you're continuing to innovate at the company? You mentioned, you know, some of the data has suggested buying, you know, more bigger or newer machines, um, equipment, things like that. Are, what else is sort of something you're considering doing or working on right now that you would say is the biggest innovation for you? Yeah, I mean, certainly try to invest in capital equipment at least every year um, to keep us up with the time, keep us efficient. 
but it goes beyond equipment. You know, we are a smaller shop, so technologically we're not the most advanced, but certainly it's a component of my strategy. Before we were using paper for literally everything. <laughs> and we implemented and are utilizing an ERP system, which sounds very basic, but for a small shop, it's huge because it eliminated 75% of the physical paper that we were using. You know, so the guys are clocking in, clocking out of jobs, machines are networked. So again, just eliminating paper and hopefully in the next few years will be completely paperless, but we definitely still have work to do on that end. Um, but I think what's important, aside from the ERP system, is just teaching our employees that, you know, we want to have a lean culture. And so really the foundation for setting up that culture is important. So to go along with the ERP system and the efficiencies we're trying to make, every employee has participated in lean training, 5S training, just to understand the reasons why we're making these changes and really setting the foundation. So again, we have work to do, but that's kind of how I've initiated the change. Very cool. So they're able to, you know, through some of these initiatives, add some certifications to their resumes, right? Their LinkedIn's. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's professional development. That's so valuable. Right. And that that takes obviously a financial investment on your side. So um, I'm sure they're, that's another one of those trust building things, right? As a shop leader, where you're offering them these really great opportunities that hopefully will help your business, but eventually might help them at another business. And, you know, it's a decision you're making now to invest in your team. Absolutely. So I'm curious for someone who, you know, saw her dad in the business for a little while and then came in from the outside world, you know, maybe you had a misperception about the industry, Melissa, that you'd like to dispel because it was dispelled for you. You know, I feel like everybody always says, oh, manufacturing's dirty. But I feel like that's the most common, you know, misconception. What I find is when I thought of manufacturing, and I feel like when maybe a lot of young girls think of manufacturing, they think, oh, well, you have to be an engineer, you have to be in production. But really, manufacturing can cover a wide range of professions. You don't have to necessarily be an engineer. Well, that's a great field. You know, there's certainly other things you can do in terms of operations, in terms of marketing, in terms of sales. You know, it's wide open. Yeah, the landscape is much broader, I think, than people realize. It's so true. That's a great point. Right. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so back to talking about, you know, working on your own confidence and your your skill set in, in managing the business. I know you ended up going back to school, correct? I did. So you earned your MBA. And I'm curious, what what was sort of the impetus to go and do that and invest in, in furthering your education while you're so busy? So I got my MBA um, just because I, I do love school and I love continuing education. And again, I mentioned I wanted to be a lawyer, but I had found that, you know, after working for a little while, I did not want to do that. And I knew I wanted to continue my education and just learning everything that I learned at my first job. I thought that a master's in business would be the most beneficial to me and would really help advance in my corporate career, which obviously ended up changing. Also, my company at the time was paying 100% of 
for me to go back to school. So that was certainly a carrot that I took advantage of. Definitely. So how has it helped you in managing Metal Solutions? Just learning every different facet of the business. Obviously, the MBA touches on that. It's just helped widen my perspective on bringing the business together, the many different facets of the business together. I certainly think change management, which was covered a lot in you know the MBA courses, was definitely relevant for me in kind of changing the culture here. Would you ever like bring up your case studies, you know, from school when you're having an issue on the shop floor? And like, was, was it like that type of, or was it just sort of like these general concepts that that you could remember from from your classwork? More so the general concepts, but I do have a lot of my powerpoints and old case studies in a drawer here in my office. <laughs> it's so funny because yeah, I'm the same way. I got my MBA a couple years ago, and I actually just mentioned one the other day. It's about Harley Davidson. It was like the, the the best case study I read. And it was so relevant to something I was talking about in like the business setting. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so random that I remember this, but it's like those things stick with you and you don't need it right in front of you to be like, yeah, that was the learning. And this is how I'm going to apply it. You know, I think it's awesome to have someone who practice what they, practices what they preach, right? Because you invested in furthering your education and you're also investing in helping, you know, your team members work on theirs, right? right? Um, professional development opportunities, certification programs, things like that. So um, very cool, very cool to see that. Thank you. Would you say you have a proudest moment of your manufacturing career so far, Melissa? I don't want to say a specific moment. I guess, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I have brought a lot of large name companies in as partners, customers, but again, we see them as partners you know, we're a small shop, basically in a small town in the middle of the sticks, but we're working with companies that have a national and global presence. So I think, you know, that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, that's amazing. Has that helped attract more partners to you guys? It has. Just having that experience and having the trust of larger corporations coming to us for a partnership has certainly helped me gain other partnerships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what is 2021 going to look like for you guys? <laughs> Hopefully better than 2020. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I think that's like the number one for everyone in the world right now. It's like, all I ask is 2021 is better than 2020. <laughs> yeah. No, um, you know, honestly, it was hard to gauge, I guess, in the fourth quarter of 2020, what was going to happen. But the motto that my dad gave me is always grow when you're slow. So, you know, kind of acting on your strategy when you're slow, and then that'll set you up to be successful when, you know, things do turn around. So, so far, Q1 is back on track to hopefully have a good year, um, if not better year than in the past. We are hopefully going to be buying a laser cutting machine here in the next couple months to further our capabilities. Again, added 2,500 square feet on to our facility to make that purchase. You know, just continuing to grow and grow our people and implement lean initiatives, take on whatever comes our way. <laughs> yeah, that's a busy, busy, what, nine months left in the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no small goals, but I love hearing about, you know, ambitions to take on new capabilities. And that motto of your father's is, I think you can learn a lot from that. You know, it's a, it's a brief, brief thing to say, 
grow when you're slow, but there's a lot uh, to take out of that. You mentioned to me when we first spoke that um, you know it's a lot of feast and famine in the manufacturing and specifically in in the job shop world. So is that something that's become pretty predictable for you guys? Is it mostly seasonal? It's not really predictable. I mean, we are fairly diverse in the industries we serve. So I haven't really been able to pinpoint, hey, we're slow in Q2 and not slow in Q1. Obviously, the pandemic kind of threw the whole year off. But, you know, at first, I would always worry when we were slow, okay, or is the work going to come back? What do I need to do? Am I doing something wrong? But it's just kind of the cycle of the business. I mean, obviously, if you get too slow, then something's wrong. <laughs> but I guess just try to take the slow times to, again, grow, implement strategy, and other things you don't really have time to do when things are booming and going crazy. Absolutely. Are those slower times the the times when you've made these bigger investment decisions? Yes and no. You know, at first, I think it was like, oh, no, I'm slow. I just want to fold up the business and <laughs> quit. Um, <laughs> but again, just realizing the, that manufacturing is like feast or famine. There's no middle ground usually. Again, I've just utilized that slower time to, you know, do the things that you don't have time to do when you're busy. It's super smart. I mean, it's like, it's how I manage my calendar, right? It's like the days I am not back to back to back in meetings, that's when I do the most like thinking and planning and can take action on the things that are, are really going to be, you know, impactful for, for my job, you know, and my goals. Right. So it's just on a, on a bigger scale, essentially. Very cool. So what's a story you might share about one of those really challenging things that grit served you well through? I think the grit part of it is just, especially going back to 2016. Again, I know I took over ownership in 2017, but business was really down and I just felt like I was hearing no at every turn. <laughs> um, we invested in a water jet machine and we were just having so many issues with it. So when I was getting business, it was like I couldn't deliver on it <laughs> um, just because of technical issues. And just so managing that through that was difficult. And I think certainly having difficult conversations with my dad, we both had different work styles. So just getting used to how each other worked and being able to, to work together. I think the biggest thing that, that it comes down to is I was out of my comfort zone. You know, I thought I was going to come into the business and just immediately make a go of it. And I was very humbled when I didn't at first. Um, you know, I was like, okay, well, I have my education. I can go do something else and just have a comfortable job where I get paid. I don't have to take a pay cut. <laughs> you know, I go home at the end of the day and not have to think about it. So I think just pushing through that was my, my biggest challenge. That's, that's, a, that's great. I love the example of the water jet machine being down. That sounds like an actual shit show, excuse my French. Um, and for you, you know, in a leadership position at that point or like about to take on more of a leadership role, um, what did you do? Yeah, it, it was a total crap show. Um, you know, subbed out work. So we weren't obviously utilizing the machine we invested in. And 
turnaround time suffered because we were subbing out work versus running it in-house and just trying to figure out what the issue was and get it fixed. Every day I came in with this huge fear of the business folding because I'm promising these things to new customers because I'm trying to grow the business. So I guess just manage it by subbing out the work, getting the work done, even if I lost money on it, being as openly communicative to customers as possible about meeting expectations um, and just, you know, realizing there's a problem and it, it needs fixed and going to fix it and move forward. It, it reminds me of um, one of our leadership principles here at Paperless Parts. It's like, you know, absolute ownership. It's run toward your problems. That's the only way you're going to solve them, right? Uh, yeah. And own it, own it when it's yours. So obviously you, you did that and uh, you're, you're, you live to tell the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would love to start our uh, rapid fire questions if you're game to play. Absolutely. So this is where we kind of pivot a little bit away from the serious <laughs> business stuff and uh, give give our listeners a chance to get to know you more as a person <laughs> and a person who has likes and hobbies and things like that. So what I'll do, Melissa, is just fire a question at you and please just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. No overthinking. We won't kind of dig any deeper. We'll just move on to the next one. Does that sound good? That sounds good. I'm all for awesome. not having to overthink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Love it. Okay, let's get started. Who is one famous person you wish would work in manufacturing with you? Joanna Gaines. What's your favorite blog or podcast? I'm not really a big, you know, not too big into blogs or podcasts, but um, when I do want to relax and listen to something, it's usually a murder mystery. Love it. Um, you could have just said my podcast, but um, <laughs> <Sorry>. opportunity. <laughs> I just realized that seems like I'm kind of like trying to tee people up for that and I'm not. So I might have to pivot <laughs> that fire rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> What's the last movie you saw? The Croods 2. Unfortunately, I do not get a chance to watch grown up movies. It's mostly kid movies, but luckily they're very funny. What's your pet's name? Brutus. What is he? An English bulldog who's going to be 10 years old and still has a ton of spunk. <laughs> What's the last vacation you took? Well, the pandemic really put a damper on vacation plans, but I recently took my kids just to get away for the weekend to Hershey, Pennsylvania, where they make the Hershey chocolate bars. So it was pretty cool. I really want to dig into that, but I'm going to resist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of Hershey's chocolate bars, what's your favorite food? French fries. And what's the number one reason why more women should work in manufacturing? Well, I think there are several reasons, so I'm going to cheat on this one. You know, I think there's really good paying jobs and you can build a very successful career path in manufacturing. And not only are you supporting your own career, but for every manufacturing job, there is another 2.9 jobs created, you know, so you're serving the overall community, economy. And again, I think, you know, in the next several years, there's just going to be a lot of openings for skilled manufacturing employees. So I think it now's the time to get those skills needed to be in manufacturing. Absolutely. 
I feel like that should be like a billboard across the country, you know, like on every major (laughs) highway. Um, Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your quick answers and uh, your honesty. I love getting a chance to showcase, you know, what's behind the professional exterior a bit. So, Melissa, if anyone listening today wanted to get in touch with you for for networking, for advice, for job opportunities, what might be uh, the best way to reach you? Absolutely. You can visit my LinkedIn page, Melissa Monarco, or you can visit Metal Solutions website at www.metalsolutionsinc.net. Awesome. Well, that's all we have today for the episode. This is an awesome conversation, Melissa. I took a lot of notes, learned a lot. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. But thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We so appreciate your, your insight and your expertise and your story. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. We'll have a great rest of your day. The Women of American Manufacturing podcast is brought to you by Paperless Parts. Paperless Parts empowers job shop and contract manufacturers to modernize and grow using the company's secure ITAR compliant cloud-based estimating platform. The software streamlines manufacturers' existing workflows by combining business process automation tools and a proprietary geometric pricing engine to power configurable formulas that drive estimating consistency and accuracy. The platform integrates with ERP systems to level up front office business operations and customer communication and enables more efficient responses to RFQs for a variety of manufacturing processes, including sheet metal fabrication, CNC machining, and additive manufacturing. Over 1 million files have been uploaded and analyzed through the platform to support the estimating process for manufacturers providing components and assemblies for the aerospace and defense, medical, semiconductors, and industrial sectors. Privately funded by manufacturing industry experts, Paperless Parts was founded in 2017 and is headquartered in Boston. You can learn more at www.paperlessparts.com.